going on, guys? Welcome to episode 29 of NFL Unwrapped. This is Perry Aston, joined by Corbin Weinerman and Christian McGowan. What's going on, guys? How are you guys doing today? Thanks for tuning in, guys. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys. A lot to cover around the league, especially with free agency going on right now. Before we do, wanted to remind you guys to listen to our podcast on podcast.com, the Apple Podcast app or Pulse Podcast Network. You can find them at pulsepodcastnetwork.com or the app on iTunes. Ton of podcasts on there, ranging from all different types of genres. An awesome download to do, and you can find all of our podcasts on there. Also, follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston, Christian on Twitter at McGowan75, and Corbin on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped. Also, check out our website at unwrappedsports.com or the network Twitter page where we put out all the articles and all other stuff on there that has to do with our network at Unwrapped Sports on Twitter. All right, guys, let's jump right in. We got all of the free agent signings that have happened since you two recorded last time without me. So yeah. appreciate you guys holding it down. No Daddy problem. wasn't home for that one. But I felt like <laughs> Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. I you know, had to come off the bench. It's been two weeks <laughs> since I've been on a pod, and it feels like two fucking years. Really excited to be talking about sports again right now. But before we get into some signings, a quick message from one of our sponsors. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TixFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TixFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want and BAM! It's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TickFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TickFlix. That's TickFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Thank you guys for listening to that. So let's just hop right into our first topic. So the NFL has finally announced the first game of the season, not first regular season game, but just the first actual football game Football's we'll get to back. see. Football's back regardless. I mean, you're a Cowboys fan, but following Dak Prescott in preseason actually made me a fan of watching it because right. there's a lot more implications now than there used to be. But they announced that the August 1st Hall of Fame game will be between the Falcons and the Broncos in Canton. I know... The implications are meaningless. I know guys are fighting for roster spots. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, guys. The roster spots that these guys are hungry to try and make a team. Sometimes a lot's not guaranteed, but you have the starters sprinkling in towards the end of preseason, too. So you start to get a little more excited for the regular season. But people usually don't like week one or week two because it's a bunch of people you don't know. But I love that time because all of a sudden you see this guy flying around the field. You have no idea who this guy is. He may be your favorite guy and your sleeper pick going into the season. This guy may actually have a solid role on that team. Like you said, with the Cowboys, they like to test a lot of different people in the preseason and at the same time still incorporating a lot of the starters. So I like to tune into every single game, of course, just because football's back. I love that shit. But yeah, I'm excited. The Canton game is always fun. Yeah, it definitely has big implications, even for just the general public with caring 
I love football regardless, but a lot of people, it's because of fantasy football, and it makes watching football more fun, which I agree with that, but it has implications for that, too. I mean, last year, you think about the Broncos, who are playing in this game with Royce Freeman, who, because of his performance in the preseason, his average draft... I drafted him in the third round. This was my guy. That was the one I could say 100% swing and miss that I had for that season. I was so high on him, because who wasn't? He had three out of four touchdowns. What a performance. Out of nowhere, a little... Philip Lindsay undrafted comes and is a firework for right. that team which had really no excitement at all besides him. Royce Freeman still of course sprinkling in decent fantasy games, 7 points here and there, but not a reliable starter, not a third round pick, definitely not the guy that we saw in that preseason. Yeah, and a lot of that had to do with more so Philip Lindsay's emergence and Royce Freeman just unable to stay healthy had that high ankle sprain. Right. So it wasn't even really that the preseason gave us false hope or made us think something that we shouldn't have because if Royce Freeman had been able to stay healthy especially once Philip Lindsay went down yeah I think he's probably worth a higher pick and we'll see that going into the next year but there are so many more instances of that every single preseason and Christian you mentioned the Dak Prescott stuff when Tony Romo was still the Cowboys starting quarterback and I think of the Seahawks too with Russell Wilson going into that year they had just signed Matt Flynn from the Packers to a nice deal thinking he was going to be the quarterback of the future even and, baker mayfield this last year yeah. he didn't play a full preseason that we were hoping for but especially remember those touchdowns in the joku it was that connection between the two of them that got everyone so excited definitely probably helped him solidify that starting role yeah. sometime in the season because you knew what you had by seeing that in the preseason that's the number one pick let alone guys trying to make roster spots and definitely teams let's just say if the arizona cardinals do draft kyler murray i know that the first preseason game even if it only plays a couple drives we're going to be glued to our TV screen Everybody. seeing what the first pick overall, I mean, hopefully it's not the first pick overall, but even if your team drafts a quarterback in the first round on the lower pick, you as a fan of that team are going to watch the preseason wanting to see what they just spent that top pick on. I'm excited for it. I know the Broncos signing Joe Flacco, maybe they get a quarterback in the first round. I, in my mock draft, don't have them getting Drew Locke anymore, but outside of this one specific game, there's going to be a lot of matchups in the preseason where quarterback battles are going down, and to me, that's the most exciting part of preseason. Enough about preseason, at least for right now. We'll talk about it more once it gets closer. Most of this show is going to be talked about free agency and the different contracts that went on. First, there's kind of like a little primer for getting into that. So this is the 25th year of the NFL salary cap. It started at $34.6 million in 1994 and has grown to $188.2 million for this year. That's an average annual increase of 6.1%. Four four million. So let's talk inflation yeah. right there. The numbers that you're seeing, and this is about our lifetime. You know how yep. long the salary Just cap about. has been here. And we can see $34.6 million is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And now we're talking $188.2 million. And you see with the contracts now, we always talk baseball money is where it's at. Basketball money is where it's at too. NFL, we've all been very vocal here how the non-guarantees in those contracts and how physical of a sport it is, it doesn't make sense. And if you have a choice, aka Kyler Murray, it would be stupid not to go and take the money where it's ripe and where you're going to have a working brain at 45. You know, there's so many more benefits that I see going elsewhere besides the NFL. But now we start to see the money at least starting to increase for NFL contracts because it always seemed like they were a step behind, even though the, the guarantees weren't there. Just the 
overall general contract. overall money in that contract yeah. wasn't up to par with some of the other leagues. So now I think not completely there. And like you said before the podcast, inflation. I still think it's a I, big. I still hit. it's not close to the NBA or the MLB. And it's not I really yet. I don't see how it can ever get to that point without the NFL salary cap being so much larger than the NBA salary cap or for the MLB. They don't have a salary cap. They have a luxury tax. Think about it. So the NBA salary cap is right around 110-ish million dollars right now. There's a minimum of 12 or 13 players on a roster. but Yeah, but a maximum of 15 players that that whole salary cap is allocated to. And it's a soft cap. So teams... Just about all of them go over it. I think the hard cap for the NBA is around $190 million, which is actually bigger than the NFL salary cap. Most teams don't approach that number, but still, teams are able to. The Golden State Warriors are going to be pressed for that this upcoming offseason. But my point is, that salary cap, whatever it might be, total salary spent between $110 to $190 million, that's spent on between 12 to 15 players. NFL, there's 53 players on a roster. There's more starters than there are and, yep. people on the basketball team. There's 22 yep. starters, there's 15 on the basketball team. So, and that's Very not even true. counting kicker, punter, the unique positions. Yeah, right? and so that's why when you look at like the Le'Veon Bell contract, for instance, four years, $52.5 million, that's an average value of, what, a little over $14 million per year. You think about what percentage of the overall salary cap is going towards just that one player, even though he is, I don't even think you can argue, he is the Jets' best player. Now... So You've, you've taken up, yeah, 8 10% of your team's salary cap to sign one player, and now 90% of the cap is being allocated towards the other 52 players. But that takes me to what Le'Veon proved last year, that a lot of players can be found in the draft on rookie deals. Not that yep. you are replaceable. And he did that by accident, too, by sitting out. Yeah, you can fill spots so much easier nowadays. And with Gurley, who really slowed down towards the end of the year, they pulled C.J. Anderson's chubby ass off the streets, threw him in there, and he was putting up 140 fucking yards a game. You can fill the spots here without breaking the bank, but you need to add star power where you can get it. And I know you kind of just started the free agency thing right there, even though we do have a couple more topics trade-wise before we get into the signings. But Le'Veon, at that point, you go spend 8 to 10% of your salary cap on a player like that. That can take you from being mediocre in a tough division with the Patriots to contenders. And you got Darnold, who right now has more support behind him, besides Crowell and McGuire when he was there last year. Now they actually have a security blanket in Le'Veon who is the only player still to average 100 rushing yards and 50 receiving yards a game by any running back. He's still the only one. So yes, people forget about how great he is because he sat out for an entire year. But I was having this conversation with my roommate Max this morning that going into next year, he has to be in the top three conversation for running backs, if not top four, top five, because you have Gurley, who at this point is coming off injury. Mm -hmm. And it's a big question mark for if he is the best running back in the league, not that he is bad by any means this is Todd Gurley we're talking about here but Ezekiel Elliott Saquon Barkley who now has zero help and his value is definitely lower because they're going to stack 15 people in the box somehow they're going to send other people in just keep stacking them for Saquon we were retweeting stuff on Twitter I thought it was hilarious it was a guy who launched the ball like 30 yards and as high as he can and then went and sprinted as quick as he can and caught it and another one was someone crawling to a bus it was like Saquon after rushing 76 times for 150 yards (laughs) on a given Sunday what's the direction of that team so of course we'll get into that more because we do actually have a giants topic or two to cover 
we're going to move on to our first non-salary capped topic. And it's not one that I like to start with, with Kareem Hunt, something that I feel strongly about. I know you do, Christian. I know you do as well, Corbin. Kareem Hunt being suspended for eight games for violating the league's personal conduct policy or for kicking a woman on camera at a hotel. Ezekiel Elliott got six games for what? For being innocent in a court of law and just having a woman point her finger and him actually having the law show him justice. Still missed six games. You got Josh Gordon. You have other players like this who smoke weed, David Irving, who aren't going to be NFL players anymore because they smoke pot. And you got a dude that can just drop kick a woman on tape. tape. Look, if Kareem Hunt appeals this... Go fuck yourself, bro. If you appeal this... Let me take that eight games. I am... So sorry for what I have done. Thank you for giving me a second chance. The eight games in the grand scheme of everything for what he has done. We all agree he should not be in the league again anymore. Above 10 at the minimum. I'm ashamed. I thought it would be an entire season. How? What is it? If you are caught smoking weed twice in the NFL, I think you're suspended for a whole year, year, right? So I guess that's worse. Yeah, Perry, you just made that face. I guess that, according to the NFL, is worse than kicking a woman in the face. Christian put out a tweet today. Got a lot of love on Twitter. It's about that. How this can be tolerated right. while you it's smoke a, a you smoke a joint wrist. and you're this criminal. You are this outlaw. It's absolutely absurd. That's something that Christian and I had a conversation about on the last podcast about if weed should be allowed in the NFL. I'm so sad I wasn't a part of that conversation <laughs> on the last one. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we said Perry definitely would have had a lot to put into that conversation, but I have never smoked weed. I said this on the last podcast. I have never smoked weed. I don't intend to. I still agree that in the NFL, out of all leagues, if there's one league that's going to allow players to smoke weed, it should be the NFL for the punishment that they go through. Not just in the games, which is once a week, but even the practices. Even the practices where you're not wearing pads and you're not supposed to be having a ton of physical contact, it's still tough. And I know, Christian, you can... Especially offensive and defensive line. Yeah, and, exactly. that, and that's one of the rare sports where it's physical and mental. Obviously, every sport has its degree of both. Yeah. But the physicality of the sport is going to drive you insane. It's unmatched. You being tired is going to affect you physically. It's just such a circle for the NFL and for football in general, how it's so tiring and you're putting your body on the line, which is why we keep going back to why the fact that non-guaranteed money is so common in the NFL is absolutely absurd. Because you are going out there saying, go kill another man, go fly out there and fling your head towards another man's stomach, and God forbid you get injured. They have no protection protection it's a league first league i don't know how else to put it this is league come first you're privileged to be in this league which is true but we're not going to take care of you long term the only thing i find weird about this is when they came to the six game number for ezekiel elliott it seemed like they put a lot of thought into it and it seemed like at that time yes i kind of agreed him getting six games because i ultimately thought he did do it and i thought okay if you have a good indication if someone did do it six games is fine but if you have clear proof video and he got six and he's only getting eight. It looks like they put no thought into the amount of time. And they said, okay, Kareem Hunt on the Browns. If he's playing, that's good for the NFL. That's good for viewership. They'll be a better team. That's the only way I can think they came to this eight game amount. Because if you actually want to punish someone, it should have been the whole year, whole if season. not a whole band. I, Even, thought, I thought it'd be a 16 game suspension. Exactly. Greg Hardy, when he was accused of domestic violence, I think he was found guilty. Didn't the NFL at first give him a whole year and then he appealed it? Suspension number three, four, five. Like who he knows? He's done a lot of things. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and speaking of that, with the UFC podcast, that of course Brent Sahadi hosts for us. We're going to have another episode up soon. I think he just recorded one today. He did because Greg, yeah, Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy he, is out of he, that league now too. He went from the Cowboys to the Panthers, right? Kind of a small resurgence. And then got kicked out again. Went to the UFC. He needs someone in the face. Legally needs someone. Legally needs someone in the face. So he couldn't even follow the rules. The guy was on his knees and he just came up and took his head, slammed it to his knee. There's like four things you can't do in the UFC and that's (laughs) one of them. And And you couldn't even follow that rule. I think they're actually giving him a second chance. That's what I heard from Brent and Brandon, the two co-hosts, when we were out actually watching a game at Champs Down the Road, the sports pub. They were telling me that they're actually giving him a second chance because John Jones, a few weeks ago, almost got disqualified for practically the exact same thing. And then he lost two points. It was the same thing with Greg Hardy, but you know we're getting a little bit off topic. Regardless, these people shouldn't be in the NFL. And there needs to be a point where we're going to put our foot down. And I de facto rooted for the Browns because I always hate seeing teams being shitty. But now any momentum I put in the Browns, I hope they go back to being 0-16. I don't want them to do well. I cannot root for an organization like that. And Perry, right before we got on to this whole topic and kind of got off topic, you mentioned how playing in the NFL is a privilege. Right. It absolutely is. And when you do something like that and this is not just because it's a man beating up a woman it's a human being beating up another human being nobody should ever be abusing another person and when you do something like that any privileges that you have to anything should be taken away from you and not just for eight games the nfl unfortunately they have had so many chances to make a statement with all the domestic violence that's been happening in the nfl and it seemed like they were trying to with ezekiel elliott like you said christian where they set that precedence of six games because he was the first one and then was it brown the kicker he also got i think a similar suspension when he got found to have beaten his wife so there's a lot of examples where they started setting a precedence and started setting a standard and now things are getting progressively worse i thought they had it figured out when ray rice never came back in the league well, he was done. i thought if it was something that clear and you have someone on tape doing something like that where there's no he said she said you are legitimately drop kicking a woman on camera and you somehow get let back into the league let alone guys like Ruben Foster as well shame on the NFL I mean we well, said that, that every shows time that it's based on talent because Ray Rice was at the tail end of his yeah. career he wasn't helping anyone Kareem Hunt will be a starter for most of the NFL team clearly shows that they want the most talented person on the field at any given time they don't care who it is or what they did they just want that person on the field and we're going to bring up another person who is involved now in some scandals and was Kareem Hunt's former teammate Kareem Hunt's former teammate and we're talking about Tyreek Hill he's being accused of two police reports at his residence of child abuse now that's very vague we'll get more as the time goes on but Tyreek Hill also was kicked out of Oklahoma State for striking a woman and unfortunately had to go to junior college well not unfortunately as a punishment had to go to junior college and then went to West He's Alabama lucky and he got after. a second chance out of junior college exactly granted you are a little younger we can debate that another time but now more things are coming back up and I know Tyreek Hill is looking to get that monster monster contract and if this is true this is going to be a wrench in him getting that money there was a report I think less than a month ago talking about how the Chiefs were prepared to make him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL and you could argue he wouldn't come top to mind for who I think is the best receiver in the NFL but as sickening as it is seeing the Kareem Hunt stuff with beating up another woman I don't want this to sound like I'm being insensitive but at least the woman is a grown person who can realistically defend herself obviously not against someone like Kareem Hunt as big as he is but if you're using a child in any way well, you're telling me he had something involving a woman in college, and now there's right. child abuse? exactly. Clearly, exactly. like, an abuser is an abuser. Well, you know. well, there's smoke, there's fire. We're not going to say what is a one-off. You know, you do something one time, but... 
if you hit a woman or there's allegations you hit a woman and then years later there's more allegations you hit another woman okay there seems to be some nods to character flaws here and they just both happened to both play for the chiefs last year so something's in the water in yeah Kansas i don't City. know what it is the chiefs i want them to be a good team and i think they're loaded with talent but well, stuff that goes like back this, to your point where you just said you're not going to root for the browns to be that great because of them taking a chance oh, on a guy. Like, if this is a guy, if they take that same chance, I mean, they're putting themselves in that same light. I would say that same thing for the Redskins when they went and signed Reuben Foster, knowing that he's had how many fucking times in jail now, how many accusations. And right. Adrian Peterson. One of them is true. If you have like four or five accusations, one of them is fucking true, if not all of them. You are that type of person, and that type of person shouldn't be allowed in the NFL. Plain and simple. I agree with you. But let's be honest, even if these allegations are true, he'll maybe get eight games. I want to have this gain traction, but I know Adrian Peterson, you brought that up, Corbin. He got in trouble. He disciplined his kid a little yeah, like bit too hard. Kid. It wasn't. Yeah. Hit him with a tree branch. Right? Yeah, <laughs> with a switch, which is if you're from the South, Jesus. people are from the South, that is a very common way to discipline your child. You can debate it however you want to, and he got in trouble for it. And he even stepped up. He didn't run from it. He claimed he did everything he did. But regardless, I'm very interested to see if Tyreek Hill given these things are true, does get that same punishment that Adrian Peterson does get. And I don't think he does. I think that because he plays on the Chiefs, I know when Adrian Peterson played for the Vikings, they weren't going to the Super Bowl. They weren't like... And he was also closer to the... End of his prime. Yeah. But I'm very interested to see what the number is if this is true. Because like you said, Perry, I want to not believe this is true, but because of his past incidents, I read this and I'm like, you know, this is probably is true. Yeah, he doesn't get them, the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't. And if a court comes out and says that he's not guilty, I'll go by that. But until that happens because of what you've done mm-hmm. and you warrant that kind of speculation, yep. boy who cries wolf. Like if you hit a woman and you're accused of it again or accused of abusing someone. To get a second get chance, people will disagree with that. A lot of people, but you probably still will get a second chance. To get a third chance, you are really painting yourself in a bad light. That's really hard to do. And, and, really and the are- unfortunate thing is that if he is found guilty, I would bet money that he gets a third chance. Yeah, I think it'd be around 8 to 10 games. And it probably would get pushed off until next season. Yeah, because the NFL is setting a pathetic precedence with yeah. the Kareem Hunt suspension, just like the opposite end of the spectrum when they started with 6 for Ezekiel Elliott when I thought they were making progress. And now it's 8 for something like this. We're going to get off this topic now. Elway was talking about the Flacco trade which, of course, all these trades became official last Wednesday when the new league year started. And he, quote-unquote, said, at 34, he's just going into his prime. (laughs) Elway is fighting for his job right now. There's no way he actually believes that. It's not even him saying Flacco's going to his prime. He started the sentence. No, no, no. He started the sentence with his age. He's just going to his prime. And he even said it to anyone who didn't know how old Flacco was. How old Flacco was. That makes me so excited as a Laker fan because I guess LeBron's just going into his prime too. If you looked at the numbers a season and a half ago, you, you might think that. He thinks he's on the Tom Brady timetable where he's about to just like hit his Super Bowl winning We've seen the decline. Two. He's yeah, he's but at thirty four. He didn't start for most of last year. Yeah. He wasn't good enough to start for the Ravens. And he got beat out by a quarterback, which yes, he has potential. He's a running back that can throw. Barely can throw. Well, in running back standards, he does. He has a strong arm, but accuracy is a different story. When I read that comment, I really thought, like, dang, Elway (laughs) is on the hot seat. Fighting for his job. The Case Keenum thing alone. There's hot takes, and then there's steaming fucking hot takes, and that's what Elway just gave right now. We're going to move on to an- another massive trade that has happened since our last episode. 
Odell Beckham Jr. out of nowhere gets traded to the Browns for pennies and a bag of tortilla chips. You were saying that you don't want to root for them because of the fact that they took a chance on Kareem Hunt, but how do you not tune in? With oh, yeah, Baker are, and Jarvis Landry and Odell, and now you have that backfield, Chubb, and if you wa- you're going to have to watch regardless with Kareem yeah, Hunt when he comes Duke back, Johnson, Duke Johnson Jr., the Joku. This offense a is a top five players. offense in this league, and they have a pretty decent O-line as well. And they're the best team in their division now. I mean, Definitely. the Steelers are nothing. The Bengals are nothing. suspect. The Ravens, because of their defense, we can get into that later, but they they're lost. a playoff yeah. team. We'll get into that when we can see some Ravens settings, but, but you're all right. By yeah. far, the Browns have the most talented roster in that division. So Christian and I on the last podcast were talking about the end. Antonio Brown trade, which had just happened at the time. We started talking about Odell Beckham Jr., how there were rumors that the Giants might be looking to trade him. And at the time, I thought, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. Why would they trade him? But I had said on the podcast that I was not upset at the Packers for not getting Antonio Brown, even though I thought a third and a fifth, they probably should have beaten that. Right. But I said, Odell Beckham Jr., though, if he is available, Packers have two first-round picks. Give them both. And... I believe I had said, now I don't think that two first-round picks is going to be enough to get Odell. You're going to have to include some more. But they should be doing everything they can. And I also said, though, that for a player like Odell Beckham Jr., where the market's going to be so high for him, it's not like with Antonio Brown where, okay, you can make an offer that no one is going to want to beat if you really want him. I thought Odell Beckham Jr., I thought the Giants would wait this out. They'd get teams into a bidding war. Right. To trade him for a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and then... Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers, who... Was a first-round pick, but right. hasn't really panned no. out. The most attractive thing about Jabril Peppers, he's an average safety, maybe a little bit above average. The most attractive thing about him, at least going into the NFL for him, was his versatility, his ability to play everywhere, return kicks, return punts. He hasn't really been able to do any of that. So you get a middling starter, average type starter, and then a first and a third round pick. And that's it. For someone who you could make a very strong case as the best wide receiver in the NFL. And they have to take on that dead cap too. Yep giant 20 million dollars for jabril peppers i think you are undervaluing him a little bit i don't think he's average i think he has shown massive potential and especially last year played very well and the only reason why his name is a smart pickup for the giants and this is no justification for this trade it's because of them losing their star safety in free agency which we'll talk about once we get into the signings so they filled a spot not that that's going to even match half the production but it may Half the production is what you need to fill, and a guy that has the potential to turn into a Landon Collins. A few more years, the potential of a first-round pick. So you got that back, which I think is the best part of this trade for the Giants, which is funny. But the picks are absolutely insane. One first-rounder and a third. It's 17. It's not even like it's a top-five pick. Any team that possessed more than a first-round pick at 17 and a third and a B player at max, and you need a wide receiver, and you didn't bid on Odell Beckham Jr., you should be fired as your GM. <clears throat> Packers. I agree. I know I always nod at you and you know say they should have done this, they should have done that. Khalil Mack, yeah. Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. Three people that would put them back in the Super Bowl conversation, especially Khalil Mack. With Rodgers being completely healthy this year. Right. And they possessed picks at every single point. 
yep. to do this. They didn't have to create more. They didn't have to get more liquid. I don't know why they're holding on to these picks. They and can't it, draft well. What are you doing? Yeah. They did draft well last year with okay. their corners. So Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, that's a solid haul. But for this year, the Packers better be putting together some perfect picks in this draft. They're going to be in the same position. They have a new GM, new front office right now. So their inability to draft well, because I agree they haven't really for the most part recently. You got to kind of reset that just because it is a new front office. With that being said, though, I don't know why you wouldn't take a swing at Odell or someone else because who are they waiting for? I agree. When the Khalil Mack trade happened and the Raiders traded him away for a future first round pick, Christian, you said it perfectly when you said you're trading for a first round pick, which at the very best becomes another Khalil Mack. Or why not? Yeah, why not go with the sure thing? Same thing here. Packers overall, we'll get into some of their signings, but they did do a nice job in free agency with shoring up their defense, getting an offensive lineman to protect Aaron Rodgers. But you put in all of that capital towards making your team better, whether it was Khalil Mack last season, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. Why not just take that last step to ensure that you are one of the last teams standing in the playoffs? I completely agree. It's pathetic. And I have to give, of course, the Browns an A++ for this trade. The Raiders still get an A for their finessing of Antonio Brown and what they had to give up for him. But Odell and Jarvis Landry put up a poll on Twitter. Skill set versus skill set around the league. Are they the best one-two punch? Absolutely. Yeah, they're the most dynamic offense now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We mentioned their three-headed attack once Kareem Hunt's back from his suspension. Right. Baker Mayfield, who looked really good last year, only going to look better. David Njoku, who is now going into his third year. I love him. Yeah, we know he can be a very good playmaker, even if he did have sort of a disappointing year last year. Their defense looks really good. Their offensive line, while not great, is good enough. Yeah, they're going to be tough to beat this they're year. In the playoffs, and for, for the Giants, though, you had arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. You have arguably the best running back in the NFL. Go with the Cowboys model from the 90s, the triplets with Emmitt yeah. Smith, Michael Irvin, and Troy Aikman. It's very tough to get three players at three separate positions on offense who all of them you could even make a remote argument that they are the best at each of their positions. If you just draft Dwayne Haskins in the draft or Kyler Murray or whoever it might be, yes, Haskins is not going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, at least not anytime soon, but you have someone who probably right away is a better quarterback than Eli Manning. You don't think you can build around those three moving forward with as young as they all are? Well, for the Giants to do this, the only way for them to salvage their F- minus 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 that they just got from this trade is for them to do something magical in this draft with these picks. You need to go with Kyler Murray now, and you need to move up and go with someone else and back-to-back that. If you go out right now and get Kyler Murray at pick six and find a way to move that newly acquired first and move up even more, not too many spots, but move up even more, maybe with the Bills there at nine, they need to go get DK Metcalf. And that is the only way that I will look at you guys and say that F- minus went to a C. And it is now a smart move for the future because you have Eli Manning, who, of course, will still be the quarterback for part of this year. And then you have Kyler Murray, who is extremely exciting no matter how much you want to debate about his height. 
extremely exciting, one of the best players in college and in high school and will be in the NFL, one of those guys, and is an amazing baseball player too. So crazy. He's the only guy since Bo Jackson that has been able to do it both with ease. You saw Michael Jordan and Tim Tebow now give it pathetic attempts. Yeah, Yeah. Deion Sanders is not at the same, kind of right in the the middle of the pack. Not Bo Jackson level. Kyler Murray at your quarterback, Saquon behind him, and now have... DK Metcalf there, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, yeah, but newly acquired a, Golden Tate fun. and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. Now you have a decent offense with a lot of potential to grow, and you're putting that's yourself... Better, that's better than decent. You're, right? At this very moment, you will have a lot of rookie dependability, and, and the yeah. offensive line is still god-awful. Just talking about Saquon Barkley, how I think you could make a serious case for him as the best running back in the NFL. He did that behind that bad of an offensive line. Yeah. And with a quarterback that wasn't yeah. a threat in his own right. Flowers just gave up. I remember there was a play he got beat, he just stuck his leg out and tripped the guy and got a penalty. It was so <laughs> yeah, horrible. Yeah. But in my opinion, the Giants shouldn't get a quarterback. I don't like any of the quarterbacks in this draft. I don't think any of them will ever get the Giants to Super Bowl contention. I encourage one of them to prove me wrong, but if I was a GM, I'm not going any quarterback this year. If I'm the Giants, I'm sucking again. I'm getting Tua Tagovailoa, yep. Justin Herbert, or I'm sucking even more, and I'm getting <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. I know this wasn't on our script, but I wanted to bring this up because Bleacher Report had a quote from an executive in the NFL talking about if Zion Williamson had gone into the NFL draft, even without having any experience playing football, I'm sure he must have played in high school, but even if he didn't, the executive had said that he would draft Zion Williamson in the first round just on potential alone. Could you see a team giving him a chance? On a first round pick? Absolutely not. But you give me a fourth round pick floating there, and Zion's chilling. I don't. I don't know. Patriots He's never played on. football. I don't think so either. Whenever the I'm Patriots get their first. first pick, I think they go and get Zion. I'm not. If, I'm not if he first. committed to playing football, and yeah. it was like a Kyler Murray thing where he's like, "I'm gonna." But do we're this. talking. He's never played football. We're so talking. Like, I'm gonna do. There has never but been I've another never human it. being who is that size and that athletically gifted, I including to, LeBron James. I hate to break it to every tight end and defensive end that listens to it. You're position is not that complex it really just matters if you're athletic so yes zion could come in and with a year of training could be an elite defensive end or an elite tight end oh, you just stick him at tight end there is a learning curve like not having playing football that long but yes, with his athleticism if he commits to playing have football, him high point of football i would put him at 32 to 60 in terms of pick wise yeah fuck it we're spending I, a second on i zion. don't i'm not saying that i would pick him in the first round but i think out of 32 nfl teams one of those teams would take a chance on him in the first round Definitely a winning team. Yeah, like the Patriots. <laughs> That's crazy but, that we're even talking yeah. about that. Let's move on, though, to something that is actually happening in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill was traded to the Tennessee Titans. Dolphins are receiving a fourth-round pick in 2020 and a seventh-round pick in 2019. And the Titans are receiving Ryan Tannehill along with a sixth-round pick in 2019. A subsequent move of that was that the Titans released Blaine Gabbert. So the Dolphins' current quarterback depth chart right now is Jake Rudock and Luke Falk. Needless to say, they're going to be drafting a quarterback. And needless to say, they will be moving up in this draft. And that puts them into the Dwayne Haskins conversation or Kyler Murray. And I truly believe that the Kyler Murray hype is going to continue and he's going to float his way into the top five. I think if that, and I was going to say, one. if that means the Cardinals, where a lot you of the smoke is. You think it's the Cardinals that take him at number one? I though? think you take all of big boards aside of it. Cliff wants Kyler. That's going to happen. But why I say top five is because the next team that needs a quarterback, potentially besides the Cardinals, even though they have one, besides them would be the Giants at six. So someone would have to move into the top five well, if the Cardinals the do the pass. I don't know about that. 
that because I think they're committed to Jameis and they have other holes to fill besides quarterback that's more pressing with a top five pick. I feel like when they have to re-sign Jameis Winston, it's going to cost a lot more than I would be wanting to pay Jameis. Talent-wise, I have questions with him, but beyond that, just personality-wise with what he's done since college it's going to be an interesting draft because there are teams who are going to move up for quarterbacks and i think after the first pick is cast that market is going to be very dried up because kyler will go number one to the cardinals yeah there was a mock draft on bleach report where i think dwayne haskins wasn't picked until like number 11 as the second quarterback seems like every year i hear how oh well the quarterback class isn't that strong there aren't going to be as many picked in the first round but every single year then there's four quarterbacks picked in the top 10 because quarterback is the premium position in the NFL where regardless of how talented quarterbacks are in the draft there's potential with at least a few of them and teams are willing to take that chance on quarterbacks because it is the most important position not just in football but probably in sports so let's get off the draft implication for the Dolphins and talk Tannehill to the Titans. I read that this was built on the promise that he was getting traded as the backup quarterback. Yeah. Not that he's coming to take the starting role from Mariota, but of course, Mariota, who gets injured a lot, now has a dependable backup and a guy that's going to put pressure on him for this QB battle. Because I'm not surprised if it comes week one and somehow Ryan Tannehill is their starting quarterback. Mm, I'm not saying it's going to happen. That's not my hot take. That's not my hot take. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised with the skill level that he's at to where he is a starting caliber quarterback. So with the Titans, so is Mariota, and he's not dependable. So The thing with Mariota, though, is that just like Jameis Winston, his contract's up and the Titans have to decide if they want to extend him. Talked about his injury issues, which are definitely an issue. So this is another thing where, yes, the Titans have Ryan Tannehill as a backup for this year. They signed him to a new one-year deal once he was traded. Beyond that, especially if Tannehill does come in for Mariota, for any injury during the year they're going to see what they have in Tannehill and it might make more sense to them instead of spending a ton of money on Mariota spend even if it's around seven to ten million what they spent on Tannehill for this year spend that with him and then build some better pieces yeah around him yeah like you said this may not be the strongest quarterback class so ones in the future may be stronger they will be not that the Titans are going to have a top 10 overall pick because I do believe they're a very good team and with Mark Vrabel, I think this team's going to get better and better. And they always find a way, I feel like, to slip into the playoffs, get right there to the last game where they're like 8-8, eight and eight, and somehow they're in consideration. They're always that one team. By the end of this year, you can scrap them both. If you have your guy and you are 100%, do what the Dolphins do and have Dumb and Dumber on your roster <laughs> and just take a chance on someone and go for it. This is a why not kind of thing, and you're not putting a lot of draft capital into this. Not anything too spectacular here is more of just the Dolphins making a clear sign that... They don't have the quarterback there. They lost the Teddy Bridgewater with the Saints, and now this is going to be something that they're going to have to address past this year. But I like this trade. I think it's a why not. I think the Titans have made some solid signings this year. I think Adam Humphreys, who we'll talk about in a little bit, could see them going for someone in the draft to try and pair with you know, Corey Davis and some of the other guys they have on that team. Yeah, it makes sense for both sides, though. I think Tannehill needs to reshape his career, and he gets a chance to do that as a backup here in Tennessee. He's in a very good situation now. We're going to talk one more trade before we get into the signings. Chiefs trading D. Ford to the 49ers for a 2020 second-round pick. What do you guys think about that one? D. Ford, of course, a big part of the Chiefs team this last year. The Chiefs had tendered his contract, so they wanted something back from him. They got a second-round pick. It's a good deal for both sides, again, because 
the Chiefs, it was either lose him for nothing. They didn't want to give him a big long-term deal. They like they did have, with Justin Houston? Yeah, exactly. The 49ers definitely needed a pass rusher. It's a good deal for both sides. This adds a little more validity with the Cardinals getting Kyler Murray at number one because I think they were right. anticipating Nick Bosa. Bosa and then Josh Allen. I'd rather get Nick Bosa over Josh Allen. So if he's available, they'll take Nick Bosa to replace a Merck Omstead and then D Ford will supplement what... Josh Allen would have done in bed that edge rusher linebacker yep. for them. So all these things point back to the Cardinals taking Kyler Murray number one because why would the teams that follow them be doing these things? Yeah, you got to read between the lines. Yeah, I think they're anticipating for him to go number one, Bosa to fall the two, and then, you know, Quinn Williams, everyone Josh else gets pushed Allen. down because I know we talked about the last podcast, Quinn Williams, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, and then everyone else in terms of big board talent. It's them three and then whoever you want to put at four. Do you have them in that order or you're just saying? In terms of big board, not in terms of who is going right. what, at what pick. But you have Williams and, as the and, number one player? And talent, no. It'd be Nick Bosa, Josh okay. Allen, then Williams. But I'm okay. just saying those three, right, it's right, head and right. shoulders above the rest of the guys in terms of talent in this class. Yes. And so that's why them getting this second round pick, which is meaningless. Let's see if it's a top or lower second round pick by the end of next year. I don't think that's meaningless. I think a second round pick is a solid return. But it's in 2020, so it has no real implications on this next draft. That's true. It's going to be for years pushed back. So Antonio Brown was just for a third and a fifth. And you just whipped out a second? Like you said, it's going to be based on their season two seasons from now. So... I mean, I would think that the Niners are going to be a pretty good team two seasons from now. The fact that it's in 2020 makes it, if you play Madden, if you ever give picks in the future, they're always worth less. I know (laughs) it's very obscure, but but there is validity to that because you don't know where they're going to finish. It's true. Just like I wanted to bring this up with the Dolphins trade that the Dolphins, Mm -hmm. they received a 2020 fourth round pick, but the pick they got in 2019 was a seventh, whereas they had to give up a sixth for the Titans to take Tannehill. When you're a GM, your job, unless you're the GM of one of the best teams in the league, it's not secured going forward. I looked at it as more of the Dolphins had to give up more than they were getting in a sense just in order to get rid of Tannehill and his yeah, contract. Right. I agree. But the same thing you applies have to, to the Chiefs. entice the other team yep. to take on a salary dump. It's, go back to basketball. It's the D'Angelo Russell, Timothy Mozgov effect. You need yeah. to salary dump. put some cherries on this t- piling crap of turds. <laughs> that way someone will want it. A little That's bit of whipped cream at least. you got to jazz up that pile of shit with something. We're going to move on to all of the signings. With the D4 trade, the Chiefs go and sign Alex Okafor, three years, $24 million. I like the signing. Solid to replace. Very serviceable player. Yeah. I always think season by season goes when I watch him play that he has more potential than what he shows. So I think the Chiefs are a team where they have so much talent that he's going to get the opportunity to really work through the things he needs to work Yeah, through. there's suddenly a need on one of the best teams in the league, and he's going to slide in perfectly. Yep. We're going to move on to Amendola to the Lions, one year, $5.75 million. Corbin, what do you think about this one? Makes sense. Matt Patricia, former defensive coordinator of the Patriots, probably saw practice after practice Amendola tear his defense up. We talked about this on the last podcast. Most Patriots players, when they leave the Patriots, they do not perform at the same level as they did on the Patriots. Same thing was true of Amendola. And with him going to the Lions, I think the bigger thing with him is just the injury issues, which he's had his entire career. If he can stay healthy, yeah, I think he'll still be productive on the Lions, but he's not going to be a huge difference maker. I think they had a gaping hole with Golden Tate leaving with the slot production that they've been used to and bringing in Bruce Ellington didn't do shit. So now I think Amendola is going to bring a lot of veteran leadership to this locker room, and it's a one-year $5.75 million contract. I think it's such a why-not contract and such a Patricia kind of guy. 
guy. Yeah. This guy's just going to help a locker room that's very depleted after last season. He's either going to be cut and picked up by the Patriots or by the trade deadline, the Patriots are going to make a move for Amendola. I don't see this working. There's going to be a lot of turmoil in the offensive side of the Lions going forward. I ultimately think they're going to move Stafford in the next year or two. I don't think he's the yeah. future for their offense. And the more I've been hearing is that he is actually being shopped around on the low uh, between teams. I think that he will be on the Patriots by the end of the season. It's I'm, so, not, I'm being 100% serious. So Belichick. Who will? Amendola? Amendola, he'll be cut or okay, they'll, thought, they'll give a small... No. <laughs> pause. They'll move him, either cutting him or the Patriots yeah. will come in with a bandit offer at the like 11th a hour. Round pick or or a 6th round yeah. pick and they'll get him. If it's on the Patriots, he won't finish the season on the Lions. Mark I can see that. We got Dante Fowler Jr. to the Rams. One year, $14 million, A guy that we thought was going to get a big contract. Longer term, but $14 million a year is well, fantastic for one year. What they're basically doing is they're, they're honoring his fifth year yep. on his contract that the Jaguars elected to decline. Yep. So it's basically, we're going to re-up your contract that was declined. So that's yep. The reason behind not giving him that long term, one of those prove it deals. Even yeah. though that is a yeah. good amount of money for a one year, yeah. But in terms of longevity, it's a this is another good deal for both sides because Dante Fowler now he gets an entire year and a whole off season to get to work opposite side of Aaron Donald. Looks like Ndamukong Sue probably is not going to come back, but still, when you got Donald opposite you, it just makes your life a lot easier. I thought he was going to get a nice long-term deal this offseason, but next offseason, having a whole season, his stats are going to look better than what he is as a player, I think. And I think he has the potential to become he's the a good player, player we think he can be. He's a good player, but I don't think he's a great player. It's just with the injuries early on in his career and getting lost in the mix yeah. in Jacksonville, who knows? He definitely has the potential. We'll see, but when you play with Aaron Donald, let's be honest, it makes your job easier. No matter how good you are, if you play in his vicinity, it's going to make your job yep. easier. And to speak on Indonican Sue real quick, the market's been very quiet on him. I don't think it's that outlandish that he returns on another one or two year deal to the Rams. I'd love to see that. I would too. We have Malik Jackson, another former defensive player from the Jaguars, signing to the Eagles three years, $30 million. I think it's solid. Fletcher Cox is happy. Their uh, front four is really yeah. good. They also think- have Barnett too. I think he underperformed in Jacksonville, and I think mm-hmm. $10 million per year for him is grossly miscalculating what he brings to their team. So I think that they reached. I don't like that at all, just based on the numbers of what he got paid. That's I a lot of money that. to give a guy that underperformed. And 15 mil to Fowler for one year is one thing, but when you're putting three years, yeah. 30 mil, now that you're going long-term with that kind of player, banking that he's going to be consistent year in and year out, when you said... He underperformed a bit in Jacksonville. Uh, we have the next signing, which I think is a good one. Trent Brown to the Raiders, four years, 66 mil. A lot of money, but a guy they needed to bring in, protect Derek Carr. He has been banged around, and now you got a new shiny whip there with AB. You got to start plugging pieces there and helping out them towards a winning season. So I love this. He performed really well, and I think he's done pretty serviceably his whole career. But as Corbin and I talked about in the last podcast with Nate Solder, how he left the Patriots and has done so bad with the Giants. I'm a little bit concerned for the Raiders. That's a good amount of money you're giving a guy well-deserved after his year on the Patriots. But look at what happened with Nate Solder. It is not working, and they're going to have to try to move his contract sooner rather than later. I hope things work out, but I hope he doesn't get hit with the Patriot effect where he played so well last year because of how the Patriots' offense is constructed. Yeah, let's move on to another Eagles signing. They re-signed Jason Peters to a one-year $10 million contract. He's been a staple of their offensive yeah, line for the I past. I love this One signing. of the best left tackles in football. He 
is one of the only people I've seen block three people on one play. Like he is, he is just, so he's a massive fast. human being. One year, ten mil. Ten mil is actually very good for Jason Peters. We were just talking fourteen mil to Dante Fowler. It's a guy like you said is a staple of this team instead of a guy that just has massive potential and could be great on your defense. He's gonna retire any year now. They're just lucky that he didn't retire. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And Quan Alexander to the 49ers, linebacker, was coming off an injury. Four years, 54 mil. He had a serious payday. I'm going to go with this was a little bit of a reach for I agree. money. I don't think he's done enough to warrant a $54 million contract over four years. I think a four-year $40 million contract would be right there where I would say that's probably solid, but that's still $10 mil a year. This is more than that, and I think it's a bit of a reach. A I think it's a reach. Yeah, it definitely is a reach. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Corbin, but I think that it's another contract where a couple of years from now they're going to be trying to find a way to move it or cut him. Or I hope he outperforms this and he does really well, but it's a reach. It's a shot in the dark hoping that he fits in the 49er defense. And yeah, they're starting to add guys to that defense, but I don't know how he'll fit, but I'm just going to trust the 49ers and their thinking of giving him that money means he must fit better than he did in Tampa because he looked a little out of place. You had D4 too. Not a bad couple It's of just people. good to say for Quan Alexander though because he was in the process of negotiations for a contract extension with the Buccaneers before he tore his ACL the reports were that it was similar to at least annual value similar to what he got with the 49ers so it's nice to see that he didn't really lose out on too much even though he did have that catastrophic knee injury right the Jets signing Jamison Crowder slot receiver three years 28.5 million dollars I'm gonna say this is a bit of a reach too a little too high but still a guy that's gonna be able to come in there and produce for Darnold decent signing in regards to skill but with the money that you're putting out there You got guys like Robbie Anderson and other guys. I think it's a bunch of mediocre receivers on this team. I'll say this for Jameson Crowder. Yes, I think that the Jets overpaid for him, but you know what you're getting with Jameson Crowder. He's consistent, at least when he is healthy. It's a safety blanket for Sam Darnold. That's bottom line. Sam Darnold doesn't have a great arm. Well, he's got Le'Veon Bell now, too, yeah. so you're going to have a lot more options. Yeah. The Jets had a ton of money, yeah. so they were willing to throw in that extra 4 or $5 million that a team that really has to watch their cap wasn't willing to do. They were able to say, you know what, screw it, just come here. We really need older players on this offense to really add to this young quarterback that we have. We're bringing Le'Veon in. Let's bring him in. Let's bring in some other pieces and try and see if we could spark something. Yeah, it seems like they're going free agents on defense, and they're going to try to go with their picks on offense yeah. outside of the first But game. also with this signing so Randall Cobb still hasn't been signed. Would you rather on Jameson Crowder for this deal or Randall Cobb? You I think Jameson Crowder, I, I don't remember the ages for both. but 28 like, for Cobb, and I would yeah. say probably around 28 to 30 for Crowder. It's a crapshoot, I mean. I think it's about the same. I'd take Crowder because Randall really? got to play with Aaron okay. Rodgers, so maybe he was a little overinflated in terms of his productivity. Crowder was playing with Alex Smith and then, like, yeah, it's a good guys. Point. So it's a good point. I know. look at them in the same light. I think it's right about the same. So here's a deal I really like. Frank Gore to the Bills. One year. $2 million. Not a speck on your cap. You bring in a guy that this is the epitome of consistency and veteran presence. LaShawn McCoy, yes, he's older. I believe they're going to release Chris Ivory at some point. You can't have three 30 plus year old running backs as your one, two, three on your roster. You got to bring in someone in the draft and try and develop here. But with LaShawn McCoy being injured as much as he is, you have a guy who's not injured a lot, a guy that's really solid 
You have Frank Gore, who somehow has found a way to still be productive at this age. I like the signing. When, when is he going to retire? I've been thinking for like the last five, six years, okay, he's definitely retiring after this year. I'm surprised that he left Miami, but he's almost like the Vince Carter now, where it's like he's going to keep cashing that check until his body just collapses. Yeah, he doesn't really care about the ring at this point. I think he just wants to play and wants to find a place where he can produce. Right. He probably left Miami because Adam Gase, I don't know why Gase was playing Gore as much as he did. Not that Gore's a bad running back, but you have Kenyon Drake, who is clearly better than Gore. With Gase leaving, don't think there was any reason for Gore to stay. So we got a couple big signings we want to talk about here. Landon Collins, who we just brought up before we were talking about the Giants, signed to the Redskins six years, $84 million. Massive deal, making him the highest paid safety in the league. Landon Collins is a good safety he should not be the highest. He's a safety great safety. I'm going to go he, above good. I'll say a, a very good safety. safety. In the right scheme, he is a great safety. He's a if great you safety. need a safety who is going to be a run stopper and just come down and just hit people and hit them really hard. Where he's at in he's his perfect. career right now, there is still room to grow on top of where he's already at. And yes, he was the captain of the Giants and may be different in a new scheme, like you're saying. But he went out and earned this because he has been consistent and all pro. I think his productivity does not correlate to the money. I'm happy he got paid. The Giants should not have let him go. For the price that they had to pay him. I'm I'm just already looking at Alex Smith's contract in two years. I'm already thinking of Colin's contract in two years. Whoever the GM is at that point, he's going to be drinking every night trying to figure out how to move. (laughs) Because that's a lot of money. It's whatever the cap inflates to, that's going to be like at yeah. least 10, 15% of their cap will be to two guys past their prime. Hopefully Landon oh. Collins. Uh, I would will... say Landon Collins is still in his prime. He two, is I'm a like, young Two years player. from now, two years from now, he will either be out of his prime or right at that point. Yeah. They're going to have so much money. Now four more years, they're going to have to pay him. It's yeah. The, as much as I think annually, he should have been paid less. It's the six years. That is that's the what right. I was going to say. I think the annually we could justify, yeah. I think a four year contract at the same exact annual rate would have been it's easier a lot to wrap smarter. Your head you, you should have only given a guy that contract if you're in the window of winning now. That's now, why you could say six years. But the Redskins aren't that team. It, not all of it's guaranteed. So in three, four years, if he doesn't live up to what they're paying him, they can just cut him. Scrap it. What the NFL does best. Trey Flowers to the Lions, five years, $90 million, $56 million guaranteed. Serious payday for Flowers. Serious over payday yeah. for Flowers. But still a guy... Extremely productive, had a, great, had a great year, and it's, I was going to say with Matt Patricia, this makes so much sense. The Amendola one was a nice sprinkle on there, a one-year five mil, put him into that locker room. This is a guy that's going to be a big part of his defense and a guy that he knows. So he went out and spent whatever he had to go spend to bring him to Detroit. So I get this signing. Trey Flowers is a good defensive player, is a good defensive end, but he's not an elite pass rusher. And five years, $90 million, that's what, for that's a defensive money. player, you reserve that for your elite defense defensive pass rushers in particular not just elite defensive player you have to be an elite pass rusher and trey flowers is not that patricia must be cooking something and if it doesn't end up being good he's going to be on the unemployment block after last season they need to make a lot of splashes this year and something i didn't have actually on here while we're talking about it jesse james tight end from the steelers Steelers. went and joined them and they had a serious need for tight end that's actually my favorite signing that they've done this entire offseason was a low value contract and a guy that you know exactly what you're the guy played in 266 of 267 Steelers practices last year. He is the epitome of consistency. He has no spark. He is just grinded Great. out. You know exactly what you're going to be getting. He is going to
going to be a security blanket and they didn't have to spend a lot on him and they need some serious help at their tight end position not just to go make plays in the passing game but to block as well, well you, and I love that signing you have to get those value signings when you just throw money at guys that don't deserve it exactly you got to find ways to plug the holes like we were saying you're going to have to spend right. 10% of your cap you got to find a way to spend 0.5% on a lot of different That's players the Patriots do it every year with the Chris Hogan and guys like exactly. that exactly let's talk Nick Foles big dick Nick wow. that we like to call him on Unwrapped <laughs> To the Jaguars, four years, $88 million, $50 million guaranteed. I think the big five zero. This is a testament to the kids that want to quit something or they want to give up on something. Nick Foles was on the cutting room floor. I know Fisher begged him If you to have come a coach, back. Fisher, don't give up. You know you'll have a better coach at some point. But he got him to come back and play football. And like I said, he was almost about to retire. And he just signed a four-year, $88 million contract. This man went from being a backup out of the NFL to being the starting quarterback on a team I think we all believe with a few minor adjustments could be a Super Bowl contending team and look at two years ago when they were a heartbeat away. I like this so much. I don't think they go quarterback now with a four-year deal. I think they're committed to Nick Foles, so they'll probably go offensive line in this draft. I'm really excited. I think the Jaguars are back to being prominent. What I don't like is them releasing Blake Bortles because that dead cap hit is going to be so aggressive against them. I love this as well. Totally agree with you. They found their guy, a guy who's won a Super Bowl, has a Super Bowl MVP. This is a point where you put in all the chips on the table. You know you aborted the whole Bortles situation. Abort, Bortle, a Bortle. Yeah, we'll call it a Bortle. So <laughs> he is, I believe you said, visiting the Rams, yes. which just got yeah. reported. So he's going to be visiting the Rams. So he knows he's going to be going to take a backup gig somewhere. Third string job. And if you know Blake Bortles and his attitude, I think he wants to be a second string quarterback at this point. He wants to just <laughs> soak up the pussy and not have to play. Right. He really is like a UCF guy. He's just kind of there for a good time. <laughs> the Rams will be a good time for him next year. He'll win a championship. <laughs> not have to work that hard, hopefully. <laughs> if Fournette can stay healthy and they can oh, yeah. find a way to keep the two of them on pace this entire season, have the receiving core hold down their end because they did have Marquise Lee with the injury. Moncrief is now gone. Signing with the Steelers. I'll just knock that one off the list now. Going to sign there as AB's replacement. You know, you got Dante Moncrief, so everything is all. Wow. Good. All, all good now. This Nick Foles signing, it, it's a big one. It's like I said, it puts them back in Super Bowl contention. If they get a couple more signings, especially at that wide receiver position, I think they will be right in the thick of things. They still have an elite defense. They have a transcendent running back. And Do the Jaguars take DK Metcalf? No, I think they should go Jonah Williams. If Jonah Williams falls to them at seven, they have Cam Robinson on their offensive line. And if you know Alabama football, they're actually teammates. They were the twin tackles together when Cam got drafted. And then Jonah flipped over from right tackle, all-American mm. freshman, to play left tackle to fill Cam's spot. So I think if the offensive lineman, if he is there, you should reunite them right away. In the NFL, it's very hard to get teammates from college like that that played that same position. I know the Browns just did it with wide receiver, but they could sure up that offensive line. I completely agree. They put themselves back into at least playoff contention after what seemed like an awful awful season last year out of nowhere all right adam humphreys to the titans one i actually really like because one interesting thing is that the patriots came in after he verbally agreed to the titans before the deadline offered him more money and more guarantees and he still spurned them and stayed with the titans with the commitment that he made he would have been a perfect patriots player i think it's spurning them more as he just wanted to be a man of his word and even though 
I think we can all sit here and agree the Patriots are a better oh. fit, and more money seems like a win-win, but it's very stoic of him. Well, now there's <laughs> Tannehill coming there, Humphreys coming there. They made some additions yeah, to the, the defense. Four-year, $36 million deal. I mean, he had one really nice year with the Bucks, but it's a good deal for him. $9 million a year. I don't think he was worth that, but happy for him. I mean, he had a good year. I like the signing a lot. Terrell Suggs coming to the Cardinals, went to ASU. Every time that he is on air for the starting lineup, says Ball So Hard University. He is true <laughs> to that state, and this is an awesome signing, bringing him back, adding veteran presence to a defense that needs it. Cliff Kingsbury there as a new head coach. This is an exciting time to even, be a Cardinals fan. Even though fan. Cliff Kingsbury better never have a conversation with Terrell Suggs. That's between him and the defensive coordinator. Oh yeah, he needs to delegate yeah. all offense Cliff, all <laughs> defense to their defensive coordinator, but they got him on a one-year $7 million deal. And it's a nice homecoming because Terrell Suggs is from Arizona State. Yeah, I love it. I went to Arizona State. Yeah. My buddy Max did too, so it's something that we both love seeing. Tyron Matthew to the Chiefs, three years, $42 million, and then they release Eric Berry, who defeated cancer, played yeah. there forever. to see him go. He's going to get another job. Yeah, it's, Definitely. It's a business it just is what it is. They needed to move on from him, especially with Tyron Matthew. And yeah. I really think the Texans are stupid for letting him walk. I guess he just didn't fit into their long-term plans. I know they're very stocked up front with money. They're going to have to shovel out for Jadavion Clowney in a year and with what they have committed to J.J. Watt going forward. Really good signing for the Chiefs. They were in Super Bowl contention. I think the defense was the area they could improve on because they were like second to last in the NFL. So. Matthew played snaps at I think it was eight different positions on the defense last year and he is just a straight utility belt, a guy that's going to really help the Chiefs. And with Eric Berry, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up on the Cowboys or another team that needs a safety. The Cowboys were in discussions with Earl Thomas, missed out on that, haven't really made a lot of splash in this free agency so I wouldn't be surprised to see them sign Eric Berry on like a one or two year deal, bring him in to add veteran presence to the back of that secondary. I can see the Browns too with letting go preppers now we heard earl thomas was going to be a potential replacement there too so i wouldn't be surprised to see eric yeah. berry Seems end up in cleveland devin funches to the colts on a one-year deal i don't know how i feel about him long term but yeah, like we just said year, it's a one-year yeah. deal they need a big body with ty hilton there and other players that have underperformed but with andrew luck having the year that he had last year and being healthy this is a guy that has the potential to have a very good year as good as he could have done in carolina with what he's gonna do with andrew luck is gonna be even better completely lamarcus joiner to the raiders a safety from the Rams last year. Love this pickup for them. The Raiders have had a really good offseason, acquiring AB for pennies on the dollar, bringing in LaMarcus Joyner to be the captain of their defense back there and having three first-round picks. The Raiders are actually putting moves for the future now and putting together a team that could potentially have a winning season as soon as this year depending on how Derek Carr can play and if he could stay healthy. With John Gruden and Mike Madoff, this new GM, they're already off to a fantastic start. Really depends what they do in the draft, but how do you mess up three first-round picks? I don't know, but they might show us how. (laughs) It's good to see what they're doing finally come into fruition. I know we all scratched our heads when they trade away their two most exciting players in terms of youth. I'm excited for them going forward. I don't know if Derek Carr is going to be the answer to get you to a Super Bowl, so maybe they're getting a quarterback in another couple years, but if Derek Carr is your plan, they have made the moves to support him again i'm not going to say playoff or super bowl but depending on what they do in the draft i could definitely see them being north of 500 i completely agree anthony barr the linebacker for the vikings was signing with the jets verbally agreed and then right before the official new year started for the nfl he changed his mind to go back to Minnesota, said he felt physically sick the night before and felt like he was making the wrong decision. So he went back on a long deal for Minnesota. I think it's a solid job retaining the Jets swung and miss on him and still filled roles elsewhere. But this was a big reason why they were able to put a little bit more money into Le'Veon Bell. 
So I know that he said he heard the report of his signing on the radio and that's what made him sick. Not that they said anything bad, but just hearing the Seriously. public radio talk about him leaving and that's what yeah. had made him sick. So yeah, he did kind of spurn the Jets and I would love to have seen him and Mosley together. I think that would have been a really good linebacking core, but he's going to go back to Minnesota where he did all right. I don't think he did anything the last couple of years that really surprised me. Broke he's Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. That's what I remember him for. He's a good he's linebacker. Good. Yeah, he's yeah. good. He got paid. The Vikings definitely will need him more than the Jets do because I feel like they're still in the contention if Kirk yeah. Cousins ever figures it out. They have two elite wide receivers and Dalvin Cook is elite when he wants to be. If he wants to contend, this is a move where he can stay with a contender because I don't think the Jets, even with Le'Veon Bell, be a contender. What is lost seeing him and CJ? The tandem that would have been. And you just said CJ Mosley to the Jets, five years, $85 million, $51 million guaranteed, making him the highest paid linebacker in the league. I don't know if that's deserved to be the highest paid linebacker in the league. It is a lot of money, but like we said, the Jets had a ton of money and losing out on Anthony Barr, they were able to throw a little bit more money to Mosley to pry him from Baltimore and Le'Veon to pry him from 24-Hour Fitness. So CJ Mosley to the Jets, I think it's solid, even though I don't think the money is deserved. The money could be deserved to CJ. I ultimately think he has the potential to be the best linebacker in the league. One tier away from being elite. We'll see how he does with the Jets. Another former Raven, John Brown, had a decent year last year. Receiver went and signed with the Bills as well as Cole Beasley. Two receivers that are very similar, so I don't get both signings. John Brown can take the top off of defense. Cole Beasley is more of a slot receiver. And this brings up the discussion if they do go for DK Metcalf at number nine there and get that big body receiver that they've been missing for so long. They should. With how he did at the NFL Combine, uh, first team that needs a wide receiver, if they pass on them, they're stupid. What about the Lions at eight, though? Really quick. What I've been hearing in their mind on the offensive side going towards a rebuild, I think getting someone like Devin White out of LSU for your defense, a linebacker, makes more sense. If they want to stick with Stafford and they think there's a chance they could work it out, then yes, go DK, go DK, go DK right away. He The injury concerns are going to be there because he was injured every year of college, but 4-3, 228. I hope the first 11 teams in the draft are concerned about his injuries because you know his pick 12. Hey, you guys have a lot of picks. Why don't you feel free to spend them and move up? I think that, to that that would make sense for them yeah. passing up on the receivers that were on the yeah, trade market. Something, something. Exactly. We got Jordan Hicks to the Cardinals, four years, $36 million. Been a very good linebacker, solid pickup for the Cardinals. Signing after signing, just keep adding pieces. Terrell Suggs, yeah. him just trying to find... It's another nice sign. Transition. Yeah, Chandler Jones is amazing in Arizona. I think that they're actually going to have a decent defense. The new coaching staff, I do like this. Thomas Davis, veteran linebacker to the Chargers, a guy that isn't going to have the biggest role on that team. Yeah, it's just going to be weird to see him not on the Panthers. Yeah. That's my biggest takeaway. Definitely. I don't think he's going to have a major impact on this team except for in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah, he's past his prime. Roger Saffold, the O-tackle for the Rams, is now signing with the Titans four years, $44 million. Another solid signing for the Titans. They keep adding pieces. definitely miss him. Him and Taylor Lewan on the Titans together is going to be freaking nice if you watch offensive line play. But Do you think Saffold... The price for him was a little high, though, or do you think he's worth $11 million? I think he's worth $11 million. Another Titan signing, Cameron Wake on the other side of the line, three years, $23 million. It's a nice signing. It's just the three years. Again, you can cut them, but three-year contract for Cameron Wake. The first Wake, who, two years yeah, probably won't be that bad. Even that second year. And we don't know how the contract's structured. It might be front-loaded where he doesn't get paid much on the third year. I know they're typically not yeah. that way in the NFL. Do yeah, so. it's just a lot to invest into someone who's dealt with a ruptured Achilles like Cameron Wake is towards the end of his career. Three years is surprising. Yeah, Matt Paredes out of nowhere signs with the Panthers. 
to add to their O-line and subsequently releasing Matt Khalil. Paredes signed for three years, $27 million, and it was kind of out of nowhere. It didn't seem like he had any interest from anywhere but the Broncos and didn't hear anything about the Panthers, and all of a sudden he signs this big contract. Three for 27 is a solid payday for a guy who played pretty well last year. Matt Khalil, he hasn't done anything in the NFL. I know he was taken yeah. top five out of USC, and I really wanted him to be yeah, a really good player. He's but been a big disappointment. Big bust. He's called a turnstile because it's just, <laughs> just so easy to get around him. Yeah. Cordell Patterson to the Bears, one year, five million. Love I like it. this signing. Love one year, it. five million, really small deal. A guy that played a lot of running back last year. Cordell Patterson is a serious addition to this team. Yeah, I think Cordell Patterson going to the Bears, he only has a certain fit on specific teams, and the Bears are one of them because of Matt Nagy. Yeah, it's just another weapon for him. He's going to utilize him like a Tariq Cohen, who, yes, you knew of him before Matt Nagy came along, but Nagy was able to see, okay, this is a special weapon if I use him the right way. Same thing is going to happen with Cordell Patterson. We already talked about the Le'Veon Bell signing the Jets that we had next on the list, but he came up. Let's talk Earl Thomas to the Ravens. Four years, $55 million, $32 million guaranteed. He got the money he was looking for coming off a serious injury. Yeah. So who knows how he's going Two to be. serious injuries, Well, right? yeah. hold on. His injury is serious, but it was a fracture. It wasn't like tearing a right. ligament or tearing a joint. It is gruesome, but it is easier to rehab that injury. Two years ago, though, didn't he tear ligaments in his knee? Or I can't remember what his injury was two years I ago. I just remember really this one. Injury. While when you break a bone, you are out for yeah. a significant amount of time. The rehab process is nothing how it is with a torn ACL or a ruptured Achilles. Yeah. He got paid because the Ravens let go so many people on defense. They and he kind of just absorbs all that money that, that kind of went out. And him and Tony Jefferson are a really good one-two punch. And he did safeties. look good. Last oh, year did, when yeah, he was I'd healthy, he's, he's one of the league guys at his position. What is he, 28, 29 years old? He's, he's maybe the best safety in the NFL. Yeah, he's, I think when he's healthy and yeah. in the last couple of years playing that Seattle defense, it hasn't been the Legion of Boom. He's really had a cavalier that all by himself. I think the Ravens will still have a better defense than the Seahawks next year. I know it's sad to say, but he gets paid off of a bad situation. I wish he went to a contender like the Cowboys, but get paid, do what you want. Perry got so happy that he called the Cowboys a contender. If they had him, they'd be more of a contender, but I know the offensive line <laughs> running back, quarterback, wide receiver in the NFL. If you have that, then you're a contender no matter what. Definitely. And that brought us back to where I think Eric Berry might be a solid signing for them. Uh, Mark Ingram, another signing of the Ravens, three years, $15 million. I think it's a great contract for them, yeah. three years, $5 million a year. I know the Saints had offered him $4.5 million, so it's just sad the Saints wouldn't extend the extra 500000 in an extra year to Mark Ingram, but it is what it is. There's not really a market for running backs at that stage in your career, especially ones that don't catch the ball as well. I know he's between the tackles more. He did catch the ball a little bit better this yeah. season, but... He's not that running back that you want to build your team around now, which is the between the tackles and receiving back, and he just doesn't fit that in the NFL going forward. Yeah, and the Ravens, I know they needed a running back, especially after releasing Alex Collins, but Mark Ingram does a lot of the things that Gus Edwards does, so there's a little bit of overlap with that because they're both in-between-the-tackles type of running backs. And with Tevin Coleman, the other running back that got signed, really similar timing, He's the kind of guy that you want to have in that kind of gadgety yeah. and offense. He got, he got two years, $10 million, same average annual value as Ingram, which I thought that was an incredible signing by the 49ers. It was. Right. One of my favorite signings team-wise of any player and team in the NFL this offseason. To get him for $5 million a year, yes, he was sort of a disappointment once Devontae Freeman went down with his injury last year. But I know there's been some reports that they might now release Jarek McKinnon 
I think it makes sense, right? I don't know about that. They can definitely work together while their skill sets are similar. Very similar. They just spent that money in McKinnon. You at least have to see him touch the field before you make a decision like that. Unless his injury is so bad that yeah. we just don't know yeah. that that's the case. Yeah, Golden Tate, a guy that deserves his money, going to the Giants, getting the most of it, even though it doesn't really fit with scheme and we're not really sure what he's doing. At least that absorbs like a tenth of the blow of losing Odell Beckham Jr. I don't really know what his plan is because I know now he he's not looking He's not looking for a ring now. That's what I'm saying. He's I just, think now it's looking for yeah, his paycheck. Just, it's disappointing because he's such a good receiver for what he does. I just wish I could be seeing someone besides Eli Manning or whoever they draft throw him the football. Yeah, I just wonder how it's all going to work out there for that offense. It's I have to see. To. Wait to see what they do with their first round picks. Adrian Peterson re-signing one year, $8 million. I think it's a solid. I think he deserves it. I played very, very well. And Over 1,000 yard rushing season. He's going to mentor Darius Geis. I think the Redskins actually have a decent little formula there at running back. And now with Case Keenum, at least he has the security blanket behind him to where they know that they can rely on that one-two punch. Yeah, I think they have a twin-headed approach going into next year. Yeah, the Adrian Peterson contract, it was two years, $8 million. Oh, two years, $8 so million. Okay, so I mean, that, that's even better of yeah, a value. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. It's, even better. it's about the $4 million, $5 million with those running backs going at in the yeah. and lower again, tier. Again, a lot of it depends on how Darius Geis looks when he comes back. I think right. there's definitely a chance that if Geis looks good next year, then Peterson isn't back. I honestly years. disagree at $4 million, even if he's not the lead back and Geis is better than we expected i think that just having him on the roster to relieve those touches is worth the four million dollars i completely agree with you we have teddy bridgewater resigning with the saints spurning the dolphins just like breeze did i think 10 years before that same situation so now <laughs> he is back with the saints they said they have their guy sean payton's been vocal about that he's going to take over after breeze definitely a clear indication now signing him and taking him away from an opportunity that he had i think it's solid from the saints i think they know they have their guy I don't think he will be their guy after. I think he'll be the first transitional quarterback they'll have until they draft another young guy. But I do not see Teddy Bridgewater leading the Saints to any sort of relevance going forward. So good for them to getting a good backup. Stop bullshitting and saying that he's going to be the replacement for Drew Brees because he's not. They're going to draft another young guy. At the very least, they're going to compete. And I don't think he has it in him to compete with a guy that's a freshman in college right now when they are ready to make the change. Right. Another safety off the market, Bears signed Haha Clinton Dix one year. 3.5. That's nothing. That's a solid signing for a defense. That was a really good signing. Doesn't even need him. Yeah. Well, he gets to go now to a team that competes and didn't really live up on the Packers. Yeah. Well, the Packers, they traded him right before the trade deadline. He'd been playing really well, especially these past one and a half years, and they didn't want to pay him what they thought he was going to command on the open market. Clearly... Not very much. Yeah. Ended up getting, I think, a fourth-round pick for him, but really good signing for the Bears, who coincidentally, they lost Adrian Amos. Mm-hmm. We'll just talk about it right now. Four years, $37 million to the Packers. I like that signing. Adrian, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, especially when you look at the money that was given to some of the other top safeties in the NFL. Just about $9 million a year for a really good safety in Adrian Amos. It's a good contract. Good signing. Yeah, Ronald Darby, another secondary player, re-signing with the Eagles, one year, $8.5 million. Played a solid role on that team when no one expected that defense to be good at all. So he earned the $8.5 million. I think the one year is just protecting the team. Not too long of an investment. So I think it's a solid signing for both sides. And we have one more to just end off with. Former Bears cornerback Bryce Callahan reaches an agreement with the Denver Broncos that just happened on a three-year deal, $21 million. So a loss for the Bears, but a defense that doesn't necessarily need him. Can't leave this free agency signing stuff without talking about the Packers signing. So... Billy Turner, offensive tackle from the Broncos to the Packers, four years, $28 million. Touched on it briefly earlier, but just a nice signing to be able to 
protect Aaron Rodgers. He's getting paid, what, close to $30 million a year as the Packers quarterback. You better be able to invest in that offensive line, be able to protect him. Christian, do you have any No, I like on... that. It's just sad that that's the move they make to help Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I wish they could have gone with a wide receiver too. But defensively, we spoke about Adrian Amos. They signed that's two pass deal. rushers. Zadarius Smith... I like the signing outside linebacker from the Ravens. He got a four-year, $66 million contract. Might have overpaid a little bit. Too much money, but a great player. Yeah, but a very good player. So the other big signing on defense was Preston Smith from the Redskins. Not as much of a pass rusher as Zadarius Smith, but... Definitely plugs holes. He's definitely a big body. More of a run stuffer. And there was a stat that together Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith had think like 30 less QB hurries between the two of them than the Packers whole defense combined last year they're going to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback the Packers were interestingly enough one of the top five or top 10 in the NFL as a team defensively in sacks but also bottom 10 in the NFL in QB hurries doesn't really correlate but this should help a lot yeah, a lot of signings, a lot of money flying around. So this was our free agency part two edition. They held it down last week without me, talking about all the first signings, the AB trade, everything like that. Now we're covering the Odell trade, Tannehill, D Ford. So we want to sign off today, remind you guys to listen to us on the podcast.com website or the Apple Podcast app. You can also listen to us on the Pulse Podcast Network and find them on their website at pulsepodcastnetwork.com or follow them on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped, myself at Perry Aston, Corbin at Corbin Unwrapped, and Christian at McGowan75. Make sure to follow our network Twitter page as well at Unwrapped Sports and check out our website with all of our articles and all of our podcasts that are on there in one central hub at unwrapsports.com. Thank you guys so much for listening today and we'll catch you guys next time.